And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West. The most haunted city in the country. Well, today is June the 30th. 181st day of the year. 184 days remain to the year's over with. And holidays and national days. We have International Asteroid Day, National Safer Workplace Day, Congo Independence Day, Cream Tea Day, Drive Your Corvette to Work Day, International Day of Parliamentarism, National Corvette Day, National Food Truck Day, National Meteor Watch Day, National OOTD Day. Uh, Philippine Spanish Friendship Day, Social Media Day, and Vinci Moss and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So there's a bunch of things going on. Now, <clears throat> the last nine shows, we've been talking about the Kennedy hit list. When John Kennedy was assassinated, November 23rd, 1963. Everyone assumed that uh, that was it. But in actuality, that was only the beginning of a long list of deaths associated with what Many people say it was an actual coup that took place in this country. Now, and frankly, in a three-year period that followed the death of President Kennedy and Lee Harvey Oswald, 18 material witnesses died. Six by gunfire, three in motor accidents, Two by suicide, one from a cut throat, one from a karate chop to the neck, three from heart attacks, and two from natural causes. Uh, an actuary engaged by the London Times calculated the probability that 18 witnesses would die of any cause within three years of the Kennedy assassination as one in 100,000 trillion. It, uh, quite frankly, just did not make any sense. Now, I said November 23rd is November 22nd. And like most people, I remember exactly where I was when word of his uh, assassination came over the TV. Now, number 50 on our hit parade and I said there would be 50. It took place June 6, 1968. And that was Senator Robert F. Kennedy, the brother of the dead president. He was a senator from New York who just won a Democratic primary in California. Thought to be on his way to being elected the next president. His cause of death was a gunshot wound at point blank range from one to three inches behind the victim's right ear. Now, the official verdict was he was assassinated by Sirhan Bishara Sirhan, another lone gut nut gunman. No co-conspirators were involved. Nothing to see here. Move on. Well, in actuality, truth be told, he could not have killed Kennedy. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, ballistic testing by veteran ballistics expert William Harper determined the bullets that killed Senator Kennedy did not come from the gun Sir Han had in his hand. And Sir Han was not at any point close enough to Kennedy to have fired the kill shot. Gordon determined the shot was fired from within one to three inches away from his left ear. About the only thing everybody agreed on was 
Sirhan was never that close, and he certainly wasn't behind the, the senator. Bullet trajectories indicate the primary shooter was at close range behind the target and to his right. Sirhan was in front of the Kennedy and to his left, walking toward him. So it's not physically possible for bullets fired from his gun to have hit Senator Kennedy from behind and travel back to front. And Sirhan held his gun parallel to Kennedy, so the trajectory traversing upwards are also totally contradictory to his actual position. Sirhan's gun only had eight bullets, and he never reloaded. And yet, 14 bullets were fired, necessitating there be at least two shooters. And as I say, at least 14 shots were identified. Now, psychiatrists determined that Sirhan was the most easily hypnotizable subject they'd ever seen. And when his home was searched, his notebooks contained entries such as RFK must die that were determined to have been written at, as post-hypnotic suggestions. Conditions indicate he was in a trance state during the murder. But of course, in the rush to judgment that took place in regard to anything to do with the Kennedy assassination, he went to prison. He had to be guilty. Lone nut gunman, don't you know? Investigators from the Los Angeles Police Department acknowledged they were completely unable to document any of Sirhan's actions during a six-week period prior to the assassination. They dubbed that particular period the White Fog Period. And they also acknowledged that such a complete disappearance was extremely unusual. Well, Sirhan Basara Sirhan has been in prison since 1968 for a crime he didn't commit because he was convicted of murder in the first degree. Now, interestingly enough, he didn't meet the requirements for that charge. He didn't possess conscious intent at the moment of the crime, so the act wasn't premeditated, and he didn't possess the malice of forethought. The evidence proved conclusively that the, the defendant was never at any point close enough to the victim to have fired the fatal shot. It's also been proven that the trajectories of the shots that did hit Kennedy could not have come from Sirhan's gun. Those facts mandated a verdict of not guilty. So he should be a free man. And technically never should have been convicted on that charge in the first place. Um, we still don't know with absolute certainty who murdered Senator Kennedy, but we do know with absolute certainty who didn't. Sirhan Sirhan was never close enough to have fired the kill shot, never the correct angle to have fired the kill shot, and the other evidence very clearly illustrated um, he didn't fire it. But in spite of that, he. Um, he took the fall. Now, I want you all to cogitate on that while I digress a moment and do our uh, history segment. Now, in 296, Pope Marcellinus begins his papacy. 763, the Byzantine army of Emperor Constantine V defeats the Bulgarian forces in the Battle of Ancyals. 1422, the Battle of Orbedo between the Duke of Milan and the Swiss cantons takes place. 1521, Spanish forces defeat a combined French and Navarrese army in the Battle of Noain during the Spanish conquest of Iberia and Navarre. 1559, King Henry II of France is mortally wounded in a jousting match against Gabriel, the Count of Montgomery, which, uh, interestingly enough, had been predicted by Nostradamus. 
1598, the Spanish held Castile, San Felipe de Moro, and San Juan, Puerto Rico, having been besieged for 15 days, surrenders to an English force under Sir George Clifford, Earl of Cumberland. Sixteen thirty-two, the University of Tartu was founded. For those who are not familiar with it, it's the National University of Estonia. It's in the city of Tartu. It's the only classical university in the country. Sixteen fifty-one, the Deluge, Kaminsky uprising, the Battle of. Tesco ends in a Polish victory. 1688, the Immortal Seven issue, the invitation to William, who would, which would culminate in the Glorious Revolution. Now, for those who are not familiar with the Glorious Revolution, that's the term used to summarize events leading to the deposition of James II and the Seventh of England, Ireland, and Scotland in November 1688. And his replacement by his daughter Mary II and her husband and James's nephew, William III of Orange, who was the de facto ruler of the Dutch Republic. It's been described as the last successful invasion of England and also as an internal coup. Seventeen oh three, the Battle of the Karen between a Dutch force and a French force took place. Seventeen fifty eight, Seven Years' War. Habsburg Austrian forces destroy a Prussian reinforcement and supply convoy in the Battle of Darmstadt, helping to expel Prussian King Frederick the Great from Moravia. Seventeen ninety four, Northwest Indian War. Native American forces under Blue Jacket attack Fort Recovery. The chief was named Blue Jacket because he always wore one that he had taken from a uh, dead soldier. 1805, under an act to divide the Indiana Territory into two separate governments adopted by Congress on January 11, 1805, the Michigan Territories organized. 1859, French acrobat Charles Lundin crosses Niagara Falls on a tightrope. 1860, the 1860 Oxford Evolution Debate at the Oxford University Museum of Natural History takes place. 1864, President Lincoln grants Yosemite Valley to California for public use, resort, and recreation. 1882, Charles Gattel is hung in Washington, D.C. for the assassination of President Garfield. 1886, the first transcontinental train trip across Canada departs from Montreal, Quebec. It arrives in Port Moody, British Columbia, July 4th. 1892, the Homestead Strike begins near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 1900, a savage fire wrecked three steamships docked at a pier in Hoboken, New Jersey. Over 200 crew members and passengers are killed. Hundreds more are injured. 1901... Howard Einstein sends the article on the microdynamics of moving bodies in which he uh, introduced a special relativity for publication in uh, Analyn de Physique. 1906, Congress passes the Meat Inspection Act and the Pure Feud and Drug Act. 1908, the Tungusta event, the largest impact event on Earth in recorded human history, resulted in a massive explosion over eastern Siberia. They still don't know what it was. 1912, the Regina Cyclone, Canada's deadliest tornado event, kills 28 in Regina, Saskatchewan. 1916, World War I, and the day Sussex died, elements of the Royal Sussex Regiment take heavy casualties in the Battle of the Boar's Head at Richbourg, La Neuville in France. 1921, President Harding appoints former President William Howard Taft, Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. 1922, in Washington, D.C., Secretary of State Charles Evans Hughes and Dominican Ambassador Francisco Peinado sign the Hughes-Peinado Agreement that ends the U.S. occupation of the Dominican Republic. 1934, the Nine Little Long Knives 
Adolf Hitler's violent purge of his political rivals in Germany takes place. 1936. Emperor Ali Selassie of Abyssinia appeals for aid to the League of Nations against Italy's invasion of his country. 1937. The world's first emergency telephone number, 999, is introduced in London. 1944. World War II. The Battle of Cherbourg ends in the fall of the strategically valuable port to American forces. 1953, the first Chevrolet Corvette rolls off the assembly line in French, Michigan. 1956, a TWA super constellation and a United Airlines DC-7 collide over Grand Canyon in Arizona and crash, killing all 128 on board both airliners. 1959, United States Air Force F-100 Super Sabre from Kadena Air Base in Okinawa crashes into a nearby elementary school. Killed 11 students, plus 6 residents from a local neighborhood. And as I've always said, if a plane falls on you, you're having a bad day. 1960, Belgian Congo gets independence as Republic of the Congo. 1963, Seokuli bombing. A car bomb intended for Mafia boss Salvatore Greco kills seven police officers and military personnel near Palermo. 1966, National Organization of Women, the U.S.'s uh, largest feminist organization, is founded. 1968, Pope Paul VI issues the Credo to the people of God. 1971, the crew of the Soviet Soyuz 11 spacecraft are killed when their air supply escapes through a faulty valve. 1972, the first leap second is added to the UTC time system. 1974, the Baltimore Municipal Strike of 74 begins. 1977, Southeast Asia Treaty Organization disbands. 1985, 39 American hostages from the hijacked TWA Flight 847 are freed in Beirut after being held for 17 days. 1986, Supreme Court rules in Bowers versus Hardwick that states can outlaw homosexual acts between consenting adults. 1989, a coup d'etat in Sudan deposes democratically elected government of Prime Minister Sadiq El-Mahdi and President Ahmad El-Bighani. 1990, East Germany West Germany merged their economies. 1994, during a test flight of an Airbus A330-300 in Toulouse, Blagnac Airport, the aircraft ca crashes, killing all seven people on board. 2007, Jeep Cherokee filled with propane canisters drives into the entrance of Glasgow Airport in Scotland in a failed terrorist attack. This was linked to the 2007 London car bombs that took place the day before. 2009, Yemenia Flight 626 and Airbus A310-300 crashes into the Indian Ocean near Comoros, killing 152 of the 153 on board. 14-year-old girl named Bahia Bakari survives the crash. 2013, 19 firefighters die controlling a wildfire near Yarnell, Arizona. Also in 2013, protests began around Egypt against President Mohamed Morsi and the ruling Freedom and Justice Party, leading to their overthrow during the 2013 Egyptian coup d'etat. 2015, a Hercules C-130 military aircraft with 113 people on board crashes in a residential area in Medin, uh, Indonesia, resulting in at least 116 deaths. 2019, Donald Trump becomes the first sitting president to visit the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. That's North Korea, don't you know? And in 2021, a tiger-fired nights near Black Canyon City in Arizona goes on to burn 16,278 acres of land before being uh, fully contained on July 30th. Well, having now done the history segment, we'll go back to the death of Senator Kennedy. You know, 
The interesting point that came out after the assassination is probably no one in the world knew and had intentionally learned more about the assassination of President John Kennedy than did Robert Kennedy. Additionally, the fact was rumored that one of the primary reasons he wanted to be president was to reopen um, a serious investigation into the true circumstances of the assassination of President Kennedy. Some actually said he wanted to begin a serious investigation because one had never been done. And he was linked to the assassination of his brother in a number of other ways as well. It was apparently from the anti-Castro operation in Florida that the plan to kill Kennedy, uh, President Kennedy, was hatched. And Robert Kennedy actually oversaw that program. That's why he registered immediate recognition of the name Lee Harvey Oswald. He knew Oswald was part of the anti-Castro operation. Now, Alexander Haig didn't turn out to be a Kennedy ally. He became Secretary of State in the very conservative Reagan administration. But in the early 60s, Haig was a military assistant in the Army and was in charge of assimilating Cuban exile veterans from the failed Bay of Pigs investigation into the U.S. That program was at the personal direction of President Kennedy. He felt a genuine responsibility for the, to the Cuban exiles. As a result, Haig was privy to very sensitive intelligence regarding Cuba. In his memoirs, Haig said uh, under the personal leadership of Robert Kennedy, the state efforts were made to eliminate Castro himself, a list involving mafia figures recruited by the CIA shortly after the inauguration of John Kennedy. These attempts continued until the day President Kennedy was himself assassinated in Dallas. The secret of that deadly enterprise was so closely held that not even John McCone director of Central Intelligence and knew that some of his men were involved until he read about it in a newspaper story. The anti-Castro intelligence operation was an odd mixture of conservative CIA agents, mafia members, anti-Castro Cubans, and a number of other names that kept popping up continually in the uh, investigation of the assassination. Among those were Jack Ruby, Lee Harvey Oswald, David Fearing, Guy Bannister. And that's why Robert Kennedy immediately called the director of CIA after learning of his brother's death. And he demanded to know, did the CIA kill my brother? And that's why another one of his uh, first reactions to the assassination was to call a contact at the anti-Castro uh, Florida camp and Inform him one of your guys killed the president. Well, according to Haig, in any case, the key fact that a secret group headed by the president's brother had been plotting to kill Castro was kept from the Warren Commission and from the American people. And that was the, the beginning of the real cover-up. Now, Haig was apparently right about that, although he was also a Steady believer in the obvious smokescreen set up by President uh, Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, that Castro had been behind the, the assassination and retaliation for the attempts to kill him. As Robert Kennedy himself said, the, the real blame for his brother's murder was quite a bit closer to home. And many have inferred that Robert Kennedy was actually referring to President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, when he sent an emissary to Moscow with a message that included the following uh, information. We know it was a high-level domestic political conspiracy. So Robert Kennedy actually knew a lot about the Kennedy assassination. And whether that was a factor in his murder or not, um, the end result is he was silenced. The man convicted of the crime couldn't have com uh, committed it. In fact, as soon as he fired the first round... Rosie Greer basically flattened him. And there was no way he could have pointed that gun anywhere except up. And according to uh, a number of experts, Sirhan was obviously programmed 
According to chief psychiatrist Bernard Diamond, let me specifically state it was immediately apparent that Sirhan had been programmed. He was carrying out orders. Well, murder by a conspiracy that would set up the accused killer, Sirhan Basara Sirhan, and it's currently not clear as to whether or not he was directly relinked to the Kennedy assassination. But an interesting point is, right before he went in the kitchen and met Kennedy, he was talking to a girl in a polka dot dress who's been identified by a number of people as being involved in the CIA herself. Well, it's interesting to note We're talking about only the most relevant 50 cases, when actually there were hundreds of possible cases we could have talked about. Now, some cases were clearly national security assassinations. Some cases weren't. And in some cases, the, the facts are still too confused to tell. Even veteran investigators in the Kennedy research community have been reticent and leery about the claims of too many convenient or coincidental deaths. The whole story is taking on the, the texture of an urban legend at this point. According to historian Walter Brown, with but a few exceptions, I'm not a strong subscriber to the 300 dead witnesses story. There never any guarantees of immortality because somebody was in proximity to a Kennedy event. However, too many deaths at too many loose ends. Now, Interestingly enough, when you start really digging into it, there were over 70 unnatural deaths out of about 1,400 witnesses during a 14-year period. And the odds of that taking place are 1 in 715 million trillion trillion. That's the mathematical reality. And that in itself conveys the obvious need to take a closer look at the specifics in these, in these deaths. Now when you look at the big picture, one thing that's clear, Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, 36th President of the U.S., is one of the most corrupt leaders um, in contemporary history. Now, you might look at the one we have now and all his ties to his son who had ties to communist corporations. But the fact is, Johnson wasn't just corrupt. He was even corrupt in the classic Shakespearean sense of plotting to overthrow his predecessor. I mean, he despised John Kennedy with every fiber of his being. And Kennedy was going to replace him as his running mate, which was another reason Kennedy had to die. Now, to posit that political motivations are a primary influence in crimes of a power-shifting nature, it's... Uh, you may well feel it's an understatement based on what happened. Recently determined that, contrary to the official historical version of the past thousand years, King Ramses III, the last great pharaoh of ancient England, was actually, ancient Egypt, uh, was actually murdered in conspiracy to seize power. 
And that was in a plot involving his own son. So it's been going on for a long time. It's nothing new. And the very idea it couldn't happen here because this is the land of the free and the home of the brave is silly. Kennedy's own VP was the leader of what was called the Wolf Pack. And they were going to bring him down. At the other end of the spectrum... You got Lieutenant Colonel Dangerous Dan Marvin, U.S. Special Forces. Colonel Marvin testified at length for the historical record that while an assassin with Special Forces, the CIA requested him to assassinate Lieutenant Commander William Pitzer, who was the man who knew that the Kennedy autopsy photos had been doctored. On a blatant uh, example of censorship, a documentary entitled The Men Who Killed Kennedy um, was doctored to remove the damning statements made by Colonel Marvin. When the documentary was purchased by the Arson Entertainment Network, for its history channel. It was aired once and was then shelved for good after political pressure was brought to bear. It's currently accessible online and you need to watch it. It's an eye-opener. Then Colonel Marvin uh, vividly details the assassination procedures that were in place for U.S. intelligence during the 60s. What the specifics uh, regarding national security assassination of Lieutenant Commander Pitzer? I mean, this country kills when necessary to protect the powers that be. Now, the odds against all these deaths that I've been talking about being coincidental is fully supportable. Many of these deaths clearly a result of a cleanup operation, eliminating witnesses with uncomfortable knowledge before they could testify before the pertinent investigating committees. As the old saying goes in the intelligence community, twice as coincidence, three times as enemy action. And to add in what James Bond had to say, once is happenstance. A national security cover-up did take place. It's evidenced not only by the silencing of key witnesses such as and Colonel William Pitzer, but by the literally obvious and numerous instances of government lies and obfuscation that took place in the years following the assassination of President Kennedy. A component of that cover-up was the national security murders of individuals who were considered dangerous to the maintenance of the cover story. On all fairness, it should be stated the investigation also revealed that some deaths were not suspicious or even directly linked to the Kennedy assassination. Some of the many deaths were actually suicides or the result of natural causes. For example, the former death of former Ambassador William Paul is often cited as suspicious due to the fact that it occurred on um, just prior to he testified in the investigation to the House Select Committee on Assassinations, but his death does appear to be coincidental. So his and a number of other deaths were included in the, the 50 that I put in these uh, 10 shows. Now, research has determined that even in some of those cases, there's much that's officially incorrect. See, our official CIA official John Paisley was murdered he did not commit suicide, as the U.S. government has continually alleged. On the other side of the coin, contrary to the official finding in the case, Dr. Mary Sherman was not murdered. She apparently died accidentally in a laboratory accident. But the secret nature of the laboratory necessitated a murder scenario to be put in place. And it also should be noted there were some... Cases of coincidental deaths related to the Kennedy assassination that uh, 
I didn't discuss. The 50 that I talked about were the, I guess you could say, the primary cases. But fair examination of the, the facts lead to some logically necessary conclusions. There is substantiated evidence that many of the deaths were indeed linked directly to a cleanup operation in which you might term loose ends and problems that surfaced regarding the cover-up. Now, to give you a sense of the implausibilities that became all too apparent, David Ferry and Lotto Devalier were the two key witnesses being sought by a fresh new investigation of the staff of New Orleans uh, District Attorney Jim Garrison. And they both died extremely violent deaths on the same day before those investigations could be promptly conducted. And just as the congressional investigation was gearing up to take important testimony, three of the most important witnesses died extremely violent deaths within that same week. Hitman Chuck Nicoletti, George DeMornshield, who was Oswald's CIA overseer, he was shot the same day that uh, Nicoletti died, just as a committee investigator was literally on the way to interview him. And an anti-Castro Cuban politician, Carlos Prio Sacaras, was a prime component of the nexus in South Florida from which the Kennedy assassination was hatched, also died. Others from that same nexus, like Sam Giancana and Johnny Rosselli, were murdered shortly after, just as their testimony was also being sought by Congress. William Sullivan, a high-ranking FBI officer, explained it to a close friend that he'd be killed soon and be made to look like an accident. And not to believe it, because it would be murder. Short time later, he died in a very mysterious hunting accident. This was an intelligent individual making a precise prediction. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And mobster Zach Zangetti specifically predicted that a man named Ruby will kill Oswald tomorrow in a few days and remember the remember the Frank Sinatra family is going to be kidnapped just to take some of the attention away from the assassination. Both of these specific predictions came true. And shortly after that, Zangetti himself was murdered. These examples are not even calculable for potentially being coincidences. They are mathematically impossible. Now just for a recap, the suspected national security assassinations include Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Sangetti, Dorothy Kilgallen, Lieutenant Commander William Pitzer, Mary Pinchot Meyer, Gary Underhill, Elado Del Valle, Rolando Masfera, Chuck Nicoletti, George DeMornshield, Carlos Prio Sicaras, Mac Wallace, Sam Giancana, Johnny Rosselli, William Sullivan. And I'm sure there's a number of others could be added to that list. Well, there's another old saying that I've heard. The mafia takes care of its own, and it's quite obviously no coincidence that those with detailed knowledge of the anti-Castro intelligence operation are that was apparently turned and used against President Kennedy were murdered near the time they would have been forced to testify before the Congressional Committee investigating the assassination. Among those very clear cases were Sam Giancana, the man himself, murdered by somebody who knew him in his own home. Chuck Nicoletti, Johnny Rosselli, Eladio de Valle, and Rolando Masfera. The elimination of witnesses by the government or those acting on its behalf and apparently emanating from the office of President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, seems to have been executed in several of the more complicated and high-profile cases. Mary Pinchot Meyer, Lieutenant Commander William Pitzer, Dorothy Kilgallen, Gary Underhill, and even Jack Ruby appeared to have been eliminated due to their actions and intentions regarding specific information they possessed. Ruby swore he'd been injected with cancer cells, and Dr. Sherman was working on a fast-acting cancer that could be used uh, as a weapon. Now, it's also worth noting that 
We know witnesses such as Grant Stockdale, Hank Killam, and Gary Underhill in extreme fear for their lives and some form of government assassination before they specifically uh, died because they expressed those fears to friends who left a career record of it. But who knows how many other witnesses possess similar fears but didn't make mention to anybody. The CIA supporters mainstream media, and there have been many, maintain that the preposterously silly notion that all this is just some pipe dream from the camp of what uh, make a corner, what they make a point of calling conspiracy buffs. Um, just needs to be ignored. Journalist Tom Weiner, who covered the CIA for 20 years and wrote Legacy of Ashes, the history of the CIA, was also skeptical of calling all these people conspiracy buffs. He said, you could fill a five-foot shelf with books theorizing the CIA played a role in Kennedy's assassination, he said. Calling such efforts hearsay and you and no gossip and nonsense. In fact, according to Weiner, there are legitimate reasons to question the Warren report and its findings about Oswald, but not, he says, to accuse the CIA of conducting domestic assassinations. A lot of apologists came out to Woodward. Well, Weiner was right about one thing. The CIA probably never intentionally assassinated anybody in the U.S., on U.S. soil, that is. They contracted it out to the mob, or in the case of Lieutenant Commander uh, Pitzer, to a special forces assassin who was willing to volunteer for the mission. In the case of Mary Pinchot Myers, apparently contracted through a man with the uh, operational code name of William Mitchell. It was from some dark government agency connected to uh, some other agency, so shielded, nobody could ever figure out uh, where, where he worked or who he really was. In other cases, it's been very clearly established the mafia was used for domestic assassinations, which is uh, Army Special Forces veteran Lieutenant Colonel Marvin testified was standard operational procedure during the, the time frame in question. And the thing that's clearest of all is if we rely on mainstream media, we're never going to get the answers. As the media has done with... Uh, they have pulled out all the stops to brand Trump a traitor, ignoring all the evidence that shows that everything brought up was a lie. And even today, the federal government has come down on him like a ton of brick for things that they've ignored that were done by others. Now, contrary to common perception, much is now known about how Kennedy was actually assassinated. There have been major developments in the last few years that mainstream media in its inimitable ways managed to virtually conceal from public awareness. The motorcade security of President Kennedy's motorcade was structurally changed in Dallas from a highly protective wedge formation, which was used by Kennedy and even considered standard dignitary protection, to a highly insecure motorcycle formation which assisted in the conduct of the assassination. There's also the route change in the motorcade in Dallas that enabled the assassins, and, and responsibility for that was uh, been established as well. Who, make, who gave those orders? Less protection than was normal for Kennedy was quite apparent in Dallas. And contrary to the officially sanitized version, Kennedy did not order Secret Service agents off the bumper of the limousine in which he was riding. Vince Palomar has substantiated that. Kennedy never intended to interfere with any Secret Service protocol. And responsibility for the route change and reductions in motorcade protection appeared to lead directly to allies and associates of Vice President Lyndon. I'm going to be King Johnson. And the freshly sworn in President Johnson even used conspiracy to preclude conspiracy. Top LBJA Cliff Carter sent the new president's messages uh, through out Washington and Dallas, slamming the door on the mere mention of conspiracy. Dallas District Attorney Henry Wade described 
Three calls from Cliff Carter on Friday night, mere hours after Kennedy was murdered. And in those calls, Carter said, any word of a conspiracy, some plot by foreign nations to kill President Kennedy, would shake our nation to its foundations. President Johnson was worried about some conspiracy on the part of the Russians. Would hurt foreign relations if I alleged a conspiracy, whether I could prove it or not. I was to charge Oswald with murder and let it go at that. In addition to Wade, Police Chief Curry and Texas State Attorney General Carr also got similar calls from Cliff Carter instructing them to avoid any charges or remarks indicating conspiracy. So you might say there was a second conspiracy to make it look like there was no conspiracy at first and directed by a man who's apparently a major player in both. It's now known that the following actions enabled the assassination of President Kennedy. One, motorcade formation change from the standard dignitary protection wedge formation. Two, motorcade route change, taking it by the dogleg turn and into the open shooting field of Delia Plaza. And three, agents being ordered off the bumpers of the limo, which was not, in spite of rumors to the contrary, at the direction of President Kennedy. And Secret Service protection was visibly reduced, even though it was known the threat level in Dallas was high. Secret Service were not pleased because they were in a hot city and would have preferred to have two men ride the bumper of the president's car while two motorcycle policemen between him, Kennedy, and the crowds on the sidewalks. The many roads that led to President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, uh, are fascinating to consider. As the motorcade leaves the airport in Dallas mere minutes before Kennedy's ambush, Secret Service agent Don Lawton openly questions his superiors about being ordered off the bumper of the car the president was riding in. The order came from Emory Roberts, special agent in charge of the vice presidential Secret Service detail, in the car toward which Lawton was gesturing. And the Secret Service... Um, follow-up car directly behind the president's limo in the wedge formation. The president had uh, secured protection. Specifically, the five units being placed ahead of the pilot car rather than the president's car in Dallas put him in a completely ineffective position. There's an obvious problem with the positioning of those five units. Why would they be placed in front of the lead car when they were needed in front of the president's limousine? Especially on Main Street where the Heavy crowds closed in to the degree that the four units at the rear of the limo couldn't move forward to keep the crowds back. And why were there five lead motorcycles ahead of the lead car? And why were the four motorcyclists with the presidential limo ordered to stay back? Well, the motorcade formation important in Dallas had the president so exposed that the driver of the president's limo Secret Service Special Agent William Greer literally kept his door slightly open with his left hand to keep spectators at least an arm's length away. The late Gene Lawless Hill, who witnessed the assassination Dealey Plaza, was dating one of the motorcycle officers assigned to the limo. She was told that Johnson Secret Service agents had changed the orders and advised the remaining four motorcyclists not to advance beyond the back tires of the limo. It's clear there were enough Dallas Police Department motorcycle officers present to provide ample security to the president and his party. There were 18 motorcyclists, but they were told to stay back. The LBJ team also attempted to change the passenger configuration of the Dallas motorcade in order to get Governor Conley, a longtime ally of Johnson, out of the limo in which Kennedy was riding. Unlike the other changes, his redirection of plans was overruled by Kennedy's people. Since the purpose of the president's trip to Dallas was to mend political fences, it was important to the president that a much more conservative Governor Conley ride with Kennedy and the much more liberal Texas Senator Ralph Yarborough was riding with the more conservative Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson. And the attempted change is worth noting as the prestige position is always to be seated with the president, but Johnson attempted to remove his ally from that honor and put a political enemy there instead. And contrary to misinformation, the interviews conducted by Vince Palomara with agents involved in the motorcade security show the agents were not hampered in, any, in their duty. 
They all described the president and his advisors as being easy to work with and that they didn't interfere with protection duties. Former Secret Service agents expressed to Palomar that JFK would not have ordered an agent off the bumper of his car. To the contrary, he respected their decisions on protection and deferred those matters to their judgment. Another little known point, it was when it came to security. Secret Service has full authority to overrule even the president and have been known to do so. For example, after the attacks on September 11th, President Bush insisted on returning to Washington and issued that order. Secret Service countermanded the order and redirected Air Force One to Offutt Air Base in Nebraska because of what they said was uh, their security protocol dictated that. Analyst analysis revealed that other standard protection protocols are also blatantly absent in Dallas. Typically, in any presidential motorcade, even in 63, Secret Service agents ensured that manhole covers along the parade route are bolted shut. Open windows and buildings are closed, and all overpasses along the route are completely clear of civilians. Tall buildings are monitored for possible shooters. These standard um, precautions were visibly absent in Dallas. Responsibility for the security stripped, uh, stripping on the uh, Dallas trip didn't appear to lead directly to the Secret Service, but rather the Vice President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson, and those under his immediate control. And decisions that weakened security were made by Assistant Police Chief George Lumpkin, uh, Top Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson aide, and Hatchet Man Cliff Carter, Democratic National Committee Advance Man Jack uh, Putterball, Emory Roberts, Secret Service agent in charge of Johnson's police uh, um, protection detail, and Floyd Boring, a higher-ranking member of the Secret Service. These are the individuals reported responsible for the choice of the parade route, which took the president into a long, slow turn and left him exposed in Dealey Plaza, the weak motorcycle formation, the absence of agents on the running, uh, riding the bumpers of the president's car, and the inadequate protection along the parade route in general. Well, according to Professor James Fetzer's extensive study in 2000, Secret Service policies for the protection of the president were massively violated during the motorcade in Dallas. Well, I've got a book that I'm working on that lays out a lot of the issues that have come to light over the years. And this wasn't the only assassination that affected... uh, that supported the concept that, in fact, we're dealing with a coup. And it's all going to be laid out in a new book. Well, until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.